today is November the 2nd, the year of our Lord, 2023, and Wes Reimnitz and I, I'm Tom Baker for Law and Gospel, are going to be talking about one of the greatest events to take place in human history. Our, our world has been shrouded in darkness with little access to the Word of God and an increasing perverted gospel being proclaimed. So along came a monk named Martin Luther. Why was he troubled in his soul? Well, he knew that he was unrighteous and that he would be judged by a righteous God after he died. So one day while he was studying the book of Romans, Luther came to understand that the New Testament meant by justification by faith, realizing the righteousness of God is freely given to those who have faith in Christ. So it was his, he knew he was unrighteous, and a righteous God was going to judge him. So he believed that he was going to be saved by his works, but he knew his works were so sinful that he got not only to dislike God, but actually hate him until he read Romans. And in that section of Romans, he found out that he was not justified by his works, but by the works of Jesus Christ. So reformers under Luther looked to Scripture to answer the question, what is the gospel. Now, it was summarized in what way by the reformers? Well, it's interesting. The article we're looking at uh, talks about the, the five solas. Sola is Latin for alone or only. And why do you say it was interesting it's five? What is it normally? Well, we're used to to the three, three solas or four solas, but uh, he has the fifth one. Yes. This sets us apart from the Roman Catholic Church. So the gospel message recovered from the Word of God by the Reformers and is entrusted to us today. So let's take a look at the five statements of the Reformation that is given in this email to give us a clear grasp of the glorious gospel we believe in and to strengthen our conviction in its biblical truthfulness. What, what's the first one? Yeah, there's no particular order in there, but the first one he gives is sola fide, or faith alone. It pertains yes. to the gospel. What does it mean? It means that a person is justified before God through faith alone, not on the basis of works, as you said before, that he or she has done. To be justified does not mean to be made righteous, but to be declared righteous. That's a great distinction there, Wes that a lot of people think that if we get the righteousness of God, then we are made righteous. And they're bothered by that because they know they're not righteous. 
but God doesn't make us righteous totally until after the day of judgment. Instead, we are declared to be righteous. And how can God do that? Well, it isn't done because we kept the law. We we see this in all kinds of man-made religions where they seem to placate or get right with God by doing something and can't do it. We say, based on the Scriptures, only through faith in Christ. Yeah, how would you define faith? What makes the difference between a work and faith? Well, a work is something that you do. Faith is something that you believe in that is yes. taken care of. I, I go with John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes, or in other words, has faith in him, should not perish but have eternal life. So faith is belief in the promises of the Bible concerning our salvation in regard to Jesus Christ. And I think that's a wonderful thing for, you know, many Christians are, are beset with anxiety or fear or worry about uncertainty or guilt because they never really come to a clear understanding of the one central doctrine. I mean, it, it plagues us all that, you know, have I done enough? And we find that justification by faith alone is apart from any works that we do. Yes. So a lot of people continue to look to their works, trying to find assurance of their salvation. You you can tell that in churches that don't understand the gospel when you go to their funerals. What are they talking about at their funerals? Yeah, how good they are, and if ever that person should, should deserve to go to heaven. This should be this person. But in our liturgy, what do we say we deserve? Nothing but eternal punishment. Yes. That's what we deserve. But God... It kind of reminds me of a funeral sermon that I did once. I started out talking about how great this, this person was and how lovely they are and never never a bad moment in there. And it was talking about a person who had schizophrenia, who had all kinds of run-ins with the law, with neighbors, with all kinds of things, because they heard voices and they should do things. And I pointed out that in the eyes of Jesus, since she believed in, in, in God and believed in faith and that God had died for her, that uh, she would be saved. And God said she was right. Yes. Although, when I've done some funeral sermons, I remember a uh, lady whose sister was Roman Catholic was at the funeral. And I was talking about how she was a poor, miserable sinner deserving nothing but temporal and eternal punishment. And boy, did her sister get angry with me. <laughs> kind of reminds me of, yeah, kind of reminds me of the statement that you made here just within the last month or so that you got all these degrees and awards that are on your door, on your wall, and what do they mean? They mean nothing. 
It's uh, what Christ has done for you. Yeah, just like the Apostle Paul. It's a bunch of garbage all in the background. And uh, by the way, I don't have any of my degrees up on my wall. I don't put them up there. Huh? I used to. You used to do that? Yeah, and, and in the center of all those degrees was a picture, a large picture of Christ. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got that reason. boy in the house. Okay, so the first sola, the first only, is faith alone. What's the second one? Sola gratia, which is grace alone. Okay. If I'm not worthy of being declared righteous simply by believing in Jesus, when the reality is that I am incredibly unrighteous, boy, this is where grace alone applies. Why does God declare us righteous? Well, even though we don't deserve it, it's on the basis of the declaration that in his own goodness and love, not only our, our worthiness. In other words, God decides to justify us because he wants to show his favor. Justification is free, and it flows from the grace of God to the unworthy, the ungodly, the unwilling. Now, that's really important. To the ungodly, that includes us, but also to the unwilling. We don't really as an unbeliever, will the grace of God or faith. We don't make it up. It's a gift from God. And therefore, he is the source of all of our salvation. And grace is different than mercy. Mercy is what? You know, you, you you use those three phrases of grace, mercy, and I forget the other one. Justice. Justice. Yeah. Mercy is not getting what I deserve, but grace is what? Getting what? Getting what? You don't deserve. Right. And what don't we deserve? God's mercy. But what do we get? Oh, we get his his grace, his peace. Uh, well, what I'm looking for is we get forgiveness. Well, yeah, the truth is that he saved us because he did something we were unworthy and uh, love that could deserve to through a thousand lifetimes, you know, that uh, he, he gives us that forgiveness. How is that comforting to us? Well, I've done nothing worthy to deserve it. The truth is God saved us because he did something for us that... Uh, uh, I'm not going to be like, well, I'm 
in a sense, like the thief upon the cross, remembering when you come into your paradise. And, yes. And God gave us that forgiveness. Why is it that some people cannot rest in Christ? Well, I would say they don't have the gift of the Holy Spirit. They're terrified that they might do something to lose God's favor. Excellent. So how can I know lasting peace and have assurance if I thought the only reason God saved me because of what I did to catch his attention or because I had done something worthy to deserve it? Can we do that? No. The truth is that God saved us because he did something. Yes. And we are the unworthy recipients of infinite love. Love we could never deserve, though we were to receive 10,000 lifetimes to earn it. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, it's great. It's like John the Baptist said to the disciples there in John. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, that through Jesus is found forgiveness and life eternal. So the first sola was faith alone. The second sola is grace alone. What's the third sola? Well, he uses uh, solus Christus. Or Christ alone. Yes. And what does that mean? Well, the answer is that Jesus Christ alone, which we are made righteous, uh, in the case that God justifies us by grace alone through faith, which was based on the merit of Christ alone. So, the question is, how can he give me this gift of righteousness simply because he decided to, apart from any unworthiness or merit in me? What is the answer to that? It's in Christ alone. You read there in Ephesians chapter 2, in the coming ages, that he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus, for by grace you have been saved through faith, not of your own difference, but a gift of God, not a result of your works that anyone should boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Yes. So he declares us righteous, on the basis of what? The, the righteousness of, of Jesus. It, it just always draws me back to the baptism of Jesus by John the Baptist, who preached the baptism of repentance. And it's in his baptism that Jesus takes on the sins of all mankind. Yes. So our standing before God does not depend on one single work we perform 
simply because we can't even do a proper spiritual work called a fruit of the Holy Spirit until we are totally saved. And that means by receiving faith in Jesus Christ. And it's his righteousness which is perfect and outside of us. Can we defile our Savior's righteousness? Uh, no, we cannot corrupt his holiness. I mean, we we have been saved not on the basis of our works because we had merited or because our righteousness meets God's inflexible law. We have been saved through faith in Christ by the grace of God on the merit of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And I think that's the biggest difference that separates us from all the religions in the world is our righteousness is through, through Jesus and not something that we have done. I remember when I was a kid, I'd like to go to a movie, but I couldn't because I did not have a job. I did not have money. And so who gave me money to get into the movie? (laughs) Your father. Yes, exactly. So if somebody would ask me, how are you able to see that good movie? I said, I worked on it. No, I was given a gift from my father of money that I didn't deserve. I didn't have a job with him, but because he was a parent that loved me, and my mother did this often also, they would give me things I did not deserve. That's how to explain the righteousness of Christ by the grace of God, that that's how we are saved. He gives us his righteousness. He declares us to be righteous. And so... You can't look at your works to see whether or not you're righteous. What do you look to to know that you're righteous? We look to the righteousness of of Christ is by the grace of God on the merit of the righteousness of Jesus Christ that we are are made right. It's only Jesus' righteousness. That's right. And that is our comfort. So we've seen three alones. Faith alone, grace alone, Christ alone. Now, what's the fourth alone? He has all scripture, uh, or scripture alone. I like to call it the word alone. That's good. One of the greatest things that came out of the Reformation is scripture interprets scripture. There are many passages that are difficult to understand, but they're explained by other parts of Scripture. And do you do that in a sermon, quote other parts of Scripture to explain one part? Oh, yeah. It's quite interesting. Uh, one what, what of the, the challenges that I put, I'm putting myself to right now is reading Luther's 55-volume 55, 55 set that I have of Luther's works in, in English. And I'm stuck already on Genesis 1-1. One, one. 
Yeah. Well, they've done eight more books. Yeah. Right. So you're going to be over 60 books by the time you're done. I know. What's interesting about it is uh, when you read Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, you know, God has his creation. Luther goes on page after page about talking about that powerful word in, in his creating the world and, and the universe and bringing it into being. And then very simply he puts towards the end of one of his lectures, and that's that same word that we use in our life. Yes. Now, we look at the first three, but they are meaningless if the Word of God is not our guide and instead the product of 16th century theologians. The principle then asserts what about the Word of God? Well, well you mean the fifth soul, or are you talking about the fourth here? Yeah. Fourth. Well, it's remembered that uh, in the Diet of Worms, where Luther was at, he says, I am conquered by the Holy Scripture. That is what is meant by Scripture alone. Our hearts and minds are entirely conquered by God's Word. It's God's Word that, that leads forth in our life. You know, it's, you discussed this before in one of your previous broadcasts. The, the means of grace that come to us, word and sacrament, and it's that word that, and that's alive in our hearts. So this principle asserts that the word of God is the final authority in all matters to which it speaks. It has no peer, no equal, no rival, and therefore reason, science, History, archaeology, religion, and philosophy are all subservient to the Word of God, which stands above all church leaders, councils, bishops, pastors, creeds, and confessions. So that's the fourth, Scripture alone. What's the fifth, sola, that we usually don't talk about. Sola Deo Gloria, which, uh, to, glory to God alone. Uh, and I've seen in church bulletins where they put out the the uh, liturgy for the day, and they'll start with Sola Deo Gloria as a caption, and at the end of the service, they got Sola Deo Gloria to God alone. In Roman Catholic theology, what did they add? Well, they added works and merit to salvation and works and decisions made by man to the Bible. They would be, to God be the glory alone, but this is what i got to do to work it out. So they're stealing a little of God's glory for themselves. What did the Reformers yeah. argue? God gets all the glory for our salvation, and we get none of it. If our salvation comes to us through faith and not works, by grace and not merit, on the grounds of Christ's obedience and not ours, 
where it's supposed to be. That's where we read in Ephesians chapter 2 that our boasting is excluded, that our, our works come from Christ's obedience, not ours. So when we say we can't boast about our salvation, what does that mean? Well, we can't take any of the credit. We cannot receive any glory for it. We cannot claim anything that we did or contribute to it. Salvation is all of God and Christ. Well, thanks very much for these five by grace things that help us to understand what the Reformation was all about. And we pray that as people on All Saints Day this coming Sunday maybe celebrate those great solas and get the comfort of the forgiveness of sins and eternal salvation. That was Wes Reimnitz. I'm Tom Baker. Listen to me tomorrow for another Law and Gospel discussion. God bless you. On KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your checkout to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.